from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Along with Luis Fernandez, Dennis Cox here with you. Graham Hill producing us this afternoon on 99.9 The Fan. If you missed any of the show, it's on the Best of 99.9 The Fan podcast. Also available on the 99.9 The Fan YouTube page. Subscribe. It just got over, what, 4,500 subscribers, right? Yeah, we're over 4,500 subscribers. Maybe, maybe if we get to a certain point, we'll get a tattoo. Maybe. You can do it. I, well, I think I, I'll be good. I, I, well, Lewis, we're going to get you one one of these <laughs> days. But I know someone got a new tattoo. Also, Wake Forest in action tonight. Charlotte Hornets know who they're taking at number two overall, it appears. Let's dive into the daily check down. Let's go. I got five Again, speaking of that tattoo, Mike Malone, the Denver Nuggets head coach, got a new tattoo. Uh, Lewis, he got one up on his left shoulder, top of his left shoulder. It's pretty small, though, for to go in that should position. Should have made it bigger. Should have made it bigger. Pause. Um, but it's Maxi the Miner, their mascot, their Maxie original the mascot. And he's holding the Larry O'Brien, the championship trophy. And so it's it's the mascot holding the trophy. It's kind of like a funny, goofy little thing. But um, I got questions, Lewis. Um, well, my my biggest question is, according to the article mm-hmm. by TMZ that illustrates all of this, they say, and I'm, I'm going to quote here, quote, Diaz tells us, the uh, uh, what's the official? Tattooist? The tattoo, tattoo artist? artist? Yes. Diaz tells us the body art is Malone's second ever and the first one he's gotten in a couple of decades. And what's the first one? What is the first one? It does not say in the article. I would like to know Yes. Uh, what it is. Let me see if I can just like Google Mike Malone tattoo. I'm sure we can find it. First but, one. So he's not the only one of the organization that got this tattoo. I believe an assistant coach or video uh, coordinator also got a tattoo as well. Uh, yes, same thing. He got a tattoo. And there's an assistant coach that also is. They're all the Maxi the Minor ones. Um, this, the video coordinator got it on his like thigh. Yeah. Um, I don't know where the the, the third assistant coach uh, is apparently going to get it today. Uh, so shout out to, shout out to them. You know, uh, Mike Malone. Mm-hmm. He has been living his best life since all of this happened. Oh yeah. Which like okay, going back to the Western Conference Finals when this man was just absolutely so upset every time the Lakers were mentioned in the sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they they win. He, he leans into into the parade and all this stuff. I just, to me, um, I, to, to right now, Mike Malone is kind of getting, the vibe that Mike Malone is giving me is the same vibe that like the 08 Celtics did yep. when they won that title and they acted like they were an absolute dynasty, but that was the only title they won. True. Mike Malone is just leaning into it, which, like, yeah, you know, shout out to you for, you know, if you win a title, celebrate it. Do it. I get it. But, man, he's uh, if they ever end up winning another one, I'm, I'm a little bit scared to see what Mike Malone's going to do. He's got to keep on bringing hey, up in his game. Hey, make it a half sleeve if you want to. But, the, yeah, so <laughs> the the Maxi, the minor, um, it's a – it's just like a, a character. Character. Yeah. Um, Cartoon character. Cartoonish-looking character. Thank you. Uh, it's got a big head. It has, like, a pickaxe in the right hand and a basketball on the left. It's got, like, these big, huge shoes. Uh, so that's what he got, but instead of holding a pickaxe, it's holding, the, again, the Larry, Larry O'Brien, O'Brien trophy. But it's so small on the top of his left shoulder. If you're going to do a if you're gonna do a tattoo as someone who has one on the top of their left shoulder, you got to go with a bigger size than that. It's got to be at least, at minimum, the size of your hand. At minimum. 
to go up there. Mike Malone, next time you get a tattoo, call Dennis Cox, exactly. and he will he will help consult you with, with all of that. I know a guy. All right, next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. Wake Forest in action tonight against LSU. If Wake Forest wins, they're into the finals of the College World Series where they would play Florida. Florida got a 3-2 win over TCU today. LSU has to beat Wake Forest twice yes. in order to advance. Wake Forest, you just got to win one of your next two. Yep. That's simple as that. Win one of your next two. Your bullpen should be pretty rested because you did not have to play yesterday. Your bullpen should be pretty rested, pretty ready to go. Take care of business. Let's go. The Demon Deacons are three wins away. Yep. Because this is a double elimination tournament, the first part. They beat LSU once already. Mm-hmm. And then once you advance, it'll be a best of three between the winner of that series and uh, Florida. So, you know, it's it's super fascinating. Wake Forest is the only North Carolina team to ever win a, college, a men's college World Series. Yep. Uh, Wake Forest is also the... Uh, the the last time they won one was in 1955. Yeah, back when they were you know east of Raleigh versus uh, versus all the way out there in Winston Salem. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's exciting for Wake Forest. They were such a dominant team in the in the regular in the uh, the regionals and the super regionals. They'd won by I think it was the average was like 11 to two or something like they won ridiculous the, they, like they, that. They won their super regional game to close out Alabama 22 to five. Ridiculous. They just crushing. and Alabama was a good team. Yeah, they're crushing the baseball. But but you look at what they've done in the College World Series. They beat Stanford three to two, and they beat LSU uh, three to two as well. And those were late, come from behind wins. Mm-hmm. I, I believe the it's two or three innings is like the only like that's how many innings that Wake Forest has led in the College World Series. They have scored the go ahead run in the bottom of the eighth of each of their two wins. It's ridiculous. And they took care of business, closing things out on the top of the ninth. It's been impressive what they've been able to do in close games. Yeah, exactly. All right, number three. One, two, three. The U.S. women's national team roster for the Women's World Cup has been announced. And we have, of the 23 players, three of them have local ties. You have Crystal Dunn, uh, former UNC defender. Uh, She now plays with the Portland Thorns. Uh, So this will be her second World Cup of all time. One of the more veteran players on this uh, on this team. A lot of lot of younger players on this team. Uh, Emily Fox, another former UNC player. You know what Dean Smith said about women's soccer at UNC, right? Mm-hmm. He said he said uh, UNC is not a basketball school; it's a women's soccer school. Yeah, he said that. They've won a lot of championships there. They have. Uh, Emily Fox, uh, UNC former UNC soccer player, uh, now plays for the NC Courage as well. And uh, another uh, NC Courage player, Casey Murphy, goalkeeper. goaltender. She'll be, she'll be the backup goaltender um, for the uh, women's national team. If I remember correctly, Casey Murphy last year led the NWSL in clean sheets in terms of shutouts. I, I, I believe so. She, so. She's very talented. Very she's talented. She's extremely talented. Long. I think she stands at 5'10", 5'11". Yeah. Well, and then that, too, that goes into part of the reason why we're seeing the NC Courage have the kind of success that they have recently. Mm-hmm. They're number three in the NWSL standings currently. They've had a really, a really great season so far. I always... I always think of the U.S. Women's National Team as probably being the hardest team to make. Sure. Because it's literally as great as women's soccer is 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 in this country. I mean, just look at, again, you mentioned North Carolina and the success that they've had. Just just even making that team yeah, like is hard. Half of this team is like Stanford women's yeah, Stan- soccer Yeah, Stanford players. women's soccer as well. I mean, seeing UCLA has, has had success at women's soccer too. To be just one of 23 players – Selected for the U.S. Women's National Team in soccer, 
is an it's just an accomplishment in and of itself to even potentially just get games and and be on part of the roster for international friendlies to get the opportunity to even make the U.S. Women's National Team for a World Cup is an accomplishment in and of itself. Because look at the talent that's not even making the roster. Kristen Press, who has over 60 goals internationally for U.S. Women's Soccer. Becky Sauerbronn, who's played in, I think, three World Cups. Captain. Captain as well. Mallory Swanson, one of the top goal scorers. She's young. She's 25 years old. She's out with an injury. Uh, same with Sauerbrunn. Kristen Press uh, wasn't going to make the team, but also had an injury uh, recently as well. Also look at Sam Mewis, former North Carolina Courage. Been on the U.S. national team for a long time. She's been out with an injury as well. Former uh, NC Courage player Lynn Williams, who is one of the best scoring players in the NWSL. It took her year after year after year for chance after chance just to even make it yeah. to the uh, U.S. Women's National Team. She got to play in the Olympics a couple years ago for the first time. A lot and she of, made the roster. Exactly. A, a lot of injuries uh, currently going on for this U.S. Women's National Team. Um, but that, they're not the only ones. There are other some high-profile teams that are dealing with a bunch of injuries right now. Um, so because of that, you've got 14 players on this roster of 23 that this will be their first ever World Cup. Yeah. Um, so it's, it can be really interesting to see how all of that comes together for head coach uh, Vlatko Andovsky. Uh, he was named the, the head coach of the, the women's national team uh, in the second half of 2019. So it'll be interesting to see how that, all that comes together. You're going to see some common, familiar names out there, the Megan Rapinos, the Alex Morgans of the world. Um, it, it's going to be super fascinating to see how it all works together because of this kind of blend of the old and the new. But there's a huge target on the women's national team's back because they've won back-to-back Women's World Cups in 2015 and 2019. Uh, you know, and, and now they're going to be gunning after them. Four stars for the, the women's national team at the World Cup, and no, no one else is, is close. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. The first game, in general, it's happening in Australia and New Zealand. Yep. Game one will be on July 20th, but the women's team, the national, the U.S. women's national team, they will play their first game on July 22nd, where they will square off against Vietnam. It's a 9 p.m. Eastern first kick, by the way, for that game. There's going to be some late nights. They have a, 3 a, they have a 3 a.m. matchup in there as well. Drink some coffee. Set your DVRs, folks. Stay up. Let's get to number two. And I don't even care who number two is. Stay up that late. Yeah, why not? No. What, what else you got to do? Sleep. Sure. That's what else I have to do. Piers the Hornets are drafting Brandon Miller, number two for overall pick. The Charlotte Hornets... Again, the second selection in the 2023 NBA draft, which is tomorrow. Brandon Miller, the shooting guard slash small forward. We just call them wings nowadays. It's NBA has gone, basketball in general has really gone very positionless. It's beautiful. Uh, in a lot of ways. But Brandon Miller, out of Alabama, out of Alabama according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, this is where the Hornets are leaning with their pick. Alabama's Brandon Miller further solidified uh, his standing as Charlotte's choice at number two with a workout uh, in meetings he had in Charlotte yesterday. This is the first time Michael Jordan, uh, the outgoing majority owner in Charlotte, had a chance to watch Miller in person to sit down and meet with him. And both Miller and Scoot Henderson uh, came back to Charlotte for second workouts, uh, second meetings. And I'm told Miller was better the second time around uh, in that environment than he had been the first time. And certainly positionally, uh, Miller's advantage over Scoot Henderson in Charlotte 
uh, is that they've got a point guard in LaMelo Ball in Charlotte, who they believe is a franchise-level point guard. And, and right now, uh, Brandon Miller continues to be the focus uh, for the Hornets at number two. Interesting. Because essentially, it, it's a combination of things, right? So mm -hmm. both Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson are, are both incredibly talented. Uh, so some of it's going to come down to what you prefer. Uh, the, the one talking point that we hear a lot when you look at these two is talent versus fit. And essentially what that is saying is you already have a all-star caliber guard in LaMelo Ball. So do you lean into the backcourt and get someone like Scoot Henderson to pair opposite him and essentially go guard heavy? Yeah. Or do you go for a, a wing like Brandon Miller who is going to be a better fit in what you have on the roster uh, and may be able to complement LaMelo better from an overall roster construction perspective? Personally, I don't really think the Hornets have the ability to not pick the most talented player available. And you know what? General Manager Mitch Kupchak seems to agree. Well, I, I think several years ago, you know, it wasn't a factor at all, okay, as far as fit. You know, you, we're always going to just take the best player. And I would say that's still the case today. Although we are closer to a point in time where we would consider fit, um, but we're not that team that's been in the playoffs for three or four years. And, you know, you're looking to tweak a roster and look for fit when we're not at that place right now. So our decision, you know, is going to remain to be, you know, looking for the player that we think is going to have the best overall career. And listening to folks like Woj talk about how teams are viewing the top of this draft outside of Victor Wimbanyama, a lot of people seem to believe that Brandon Miller is the more talented of the two, but they're two totally different players. Yes, one six two, one is six nine. Um, one is a, a kind of fast-paced slashing guard who needs to work on his outside shot a little bit more. Uh, the other is a lanky wing who is very skilled um, defensively. Probably needs to put on a little bit more weight so that he can, or offensively, excuse me. Probably needs to put on a little more weight so he can be better defensively. Uh, one went to the G League. One went to college. I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see what the Hornets end up going with, although betting markets as well seem to be favoring uh, Brandon Miller. You, the amount of times I say almost say Brandon Ingram, by the way, when I say, when I say Brandon it's Miller's fine. name. Uh, but uh, the betting markets are favoring Brandon Miller as well. Minus 500 was the last I saw for him to be the number yeah. two overall pick. So you'd have to bet $500 to make 100. Um, Scoot Henderson being next at like plus 300 or something like that. So It's interesting how teams go about their evaluations of players and just how sometimes down to the deadline essentially is what these are. Yeah. They brought Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson in for workouts earlier this week, a second workout back on Monday. They brought these guys in. So that's how close of a decision this is between these two. Like Mitch Kupchak said, just take the best player. You are not in position right now as an organization to pick for fit. Take the best player. If you think Brandon Miller's the best player, take him. If you think Scoot's the number one guy for you, take him. It's as simple as that. Figure out the rest of it later. Because you know what? As many possessions there are in basketball, there's plenty of ball to go around for LaMelo Ball and Scoot Henderson to be on the same floor together. Simple as that. And you know what? 
the pace of play in which those both those guys play with, the pace of play for the Hornets when LaMelo Ball is on the floor, exponentially faster than when he's not playing. So guess what? More opportunities in possession, in uh, more opportunities for number of possessions, and also transition opportunities as well in the NBA. I'm okay with LaMelo Ball and Scoot Henderson being on the floor together. I think it can work out. All right, let's get to the number one story of the day. Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. The Designery grand opening, we're scheduled to open May 16th and do our grand opening party then. We're going to be catering some food. We're doing some giveaways. We have a VR headset, an Echo Show, some kitchen gadgets, and some fancy knives. 12 to 2 p.m. Please stop by our showroom, 3030 Wake Forest Road. That's The Designery at the designery.com Rob Brindamore got screwed out of the Hall of Fame. Yes. Again. 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 Look, I'm not going to sit there and say that Henrik Lundqvist, no. goalie. Sure. Tom Barrasso, goalie. Yeah. Mike Vernon, goalie. Pierre Turgeon, forward. That these four guys didn't deserve to be into the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying Rob Brindamore was passed over again. 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 This is a guy, our our friend, our colleague, Casey Murphy, over at WRL Sports. I'm sorry, Casey Hens, not Casey Murphy. Casey Murphy's on the U.S. Women's National Team. A lot of Casey's today. Casey Hens, WRL Sports, put out earlier uh, yesterday mm-hmm. the case of why Rob Brindamore should be in the Hall of Fame. It's on WRLSportsFan.com. Please go watch it. It's much more extensive than what I'm about to give you. But there's a note that she made. There are 37 players who are eligible for the Hockey Hall of Fame that have scored over 1,100 points in their career and have won a Stanley Cup. Rob Brindamore, one of those 37. Mm -hmm. 35 of those 37 players are in the Hall of Fame. That's a pretty high percentage. Rod's one of the two that's not, Mm. which makes zero sense. Especially when you look at the other things that factor into what the Hall of Fame is supposedly looking for based on like their attendance. By the way, that's 90, 94.5% of that group is in the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. Um, I had to do the math really quick. So they, they value, obviously, the things that happen on the ice. They also say they value sportsmanship. They value character. And they also value the impact of an individual on the specific team or the sport as a whole. Um, and... You know, when you look at once again, it's more subjective thing. But when you, when you look at character, when you look at sportsmanship, Rod Brindamore passes those tests with flying colors. So at that point, it's like, okay, well then, what are we? Okay, like yeah. what are we? What are we doing? Um, and then also, when you look at impact on a specific team, impact on the sport in general, Rod Brindamore has been, I think, one of the most impactful people in terms of uh, bringing hockey to the Southeast, especially to North yeah. Carolina. And, and what what do we see? You know, this this postseason. Right, you had two teams from the South in the Eastern Conference Final. Yeah, with the the Panthers and the Hurricanes. So I don't know. I look at that kind of stuff. Also, what kind of 
what what frustrates me a bit, and this is not just with hockey, this is with all professional sporting leagues. Yeah. How much, and we talked about this a little bit, but mm-hmm. how much is put on awards that are handed out by the media? Um, I, you know, I'm a member of the media. You're a member of the As media. A, yep. We're not exactly, like, the media is not foolproof, right? Well, um, don't say that. Don't what? let the public know. So, so like, the best example I can think of is when you look at the uh, NBA. And a lot of max extension eligibility and things like that comes down to getting first or second team all NBA. Well, that comes down to the, the votes that are cast. Yeah. When you have – when when things like that are out of players' hands mm-hmm. and it plays a huge factor, with going back to Rod Brindamore and the Hurricanes, the Conn Smythe Trophy in 2006 goes to Cam Ward. Probably probably should have went to Rod Brindamore. Probably should have. Probably should have. It's not a knock Brindamore. on Cam Ward. No, he was not. great in the playoffs, but – Rod was the one that carried it. It was a, it was a, it's a trophy for the entire playoffs, not just for the Stanley Cup. And you know, Cam was amazing in the Stanley Cup, but Rod was the guy from the very beginning of that playoff run. And if he has that con Smythe, are we even having this conversation? I don't know. Ten years of of eligibility for for Rod Brindamore, and he's he's still knocking on the door. Let's see if they eventually open it up for him. Rod Brindamore in his career. Played nearly 1,500 regular season games, 1,484. That's so many. Had 1,184 points. That's so many. Career. That's a ton. And even looking at this average time on the ice late in his career, when he was like 35, when he was 35 years old in the 05 06 season, when the Canes won the Stanley Cup, Coward's was averaging over 24 minutes of ice time per game. I mean, most forwards nowadays are getting like high end guys are getting like 21. Yeah. He won the Selkie Trophy for Best Defensive Forward that year. Also got votes for the Hart Trophy for League MVP. Oh, by the way, also scored 70 points in that season as well. And he was fantastic in the playoffs, too. And he was the captain of the team. Again, that's just what he did in 2006. We're talking about someone who was special throughout his entire career. I mean, he was a staple for the Philadelphia Flyers for a long time. Yeah. And the durability in which he had in his career as well. Even at age 38, 39, still playing 80 games a season. Two separate teams have him in their Hall of Fame, both yeah. the Flyers and the Hurricanes. Man, got snubbed. And you're talking about, again, media and the people that make these decisions, depending on you know which league or what Hall of Fame it is. There's only 18 people that oh. make up the Hall of Fame committee for, for hockey. 18. 18. You have to have 14 of those 18 have to vote you yes. That's like 75%. It's insane. But here's something as well. It's like for the for the baseball Hall of Fame, Cooperstown, it's a 75% vote as well, but it's a lot larger number of people that have ballots for the for the baseball Hall of Fame. This is where things get stupid when it comes to Hall of Fame inductions. There are people in the baseball Hall of Fame that still abide by the rule of the unwritten rule of no one should be a unanimous selection into the Hall of Fame. Like there was one dude who didn't vote for Ricky Henderson because of that reason. It's like whoa. Why? It's, I'm like if that if 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 you don't think that a guy like him shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because of whatever your criteria is, fine. But don't base it because of well, no one should be a unanimous selection. Get out of here. You suck. <laughs> I I understand that the Hall of Fame is for the best of the best. Yes, and not everybody can get into the Hall and of that's Fame. That's okay. It's okay. But at the end of the day, it's a game. And if you take the game too seriously, mm-hmm. I think you look dumb. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.